0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Where I'm from, that last verse, is what we call shouting music. It's a joy for me to be here with you as I close my time here at this Lenten Preaching Series. My great gratitude to the family here at the Advent Dean Pearson, Canon Schneider, and to uh, the gracious hosts that we've had over the last day. Late in the second century, when Perpetua and Felicity were captured, were subsequently arrested, I don't believe at that time they expected to get out of it alive. The young mother of a young child and her maidservant were arrested, taking classes for baptism. Before, shortly after, early in the third century, she and other enslaved persons were marched into a Colosseum where upon their entrance, a heifer charged the group, tossing Perpetua feet up into the air and on her back. She sat up, she adjusted her ripped tunic, walked over to help Felicity, and then a leopard was let loose. And it wasn't long before the tunics of those Christians, standing in the Colosseum, were stained with crimson blood. However, the ensuing actions were too deliberate for those in attendance as they began to call for their deaths. So Perpetua, Felicity, and the rest of the group were lined up, and one by one they were slain by the sword. We may not find ourselves in an arena with beasts, nor gladiators, but in this postmodern, post-Christian time that we live in, we are in an arena fighting for Faith, contending for the great gift that God has given us, by which we ourselves, having the light of Christ shining in our hearts, might see and behold the glory and the grandeur of God. We, in this modern moment, fight against postmodern ideology, but more pervasively, meology an idea, a theology centered on self as sovereign. And much like the prologue to the book of Hebrews offers helpful instruction for us to see the need for revelation over realness, I believe this morning that Hebrews 11 verses 32 through 40 offer us An incredible encouragement as we persevere in these troubled times. Hebrews 11, verse 32 reads And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, through whom faith, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts, in mountains, in dens, and caves on the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. There are fewer iconic or quintessential passages of faith than what we find in Hebrews 12 1 and 2. But even in verse 1, as it opens with a therefore, good exegetes must ask the question what is the therefore, therefore? This great cloud of witnesses that verses 1 and 2 points to that is an encouragement to these Christians in the rising pluralism of a Mediterranean day would have been encouraged to know that the saints of old were gathered not in a colosseum where they were thriving and hungering to see blood, no, but they were in a colosseum filling the stands cheering on those knights of faith namely you and i battling for faith uh, it's once said that there was an apocryphal newspaper article written by ernest shackleton that article read that ernest shackleton wanted to take a journey to the antarctic and he put out an ad looking for men to staff the crew The ad reads as follows, men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in event of success. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not eager to sign up for Mr. Shackleton's trip. I do believe, though, that the same contentions and the same contingencies he outlines in this article is what we stand against today. Specifically, I think there's a great word here for us contending for faith and against religiosity in the lives of, verse 32, Gideon, Barak, Samsa, Jephthah, and those following. The author of Hebrews opens up and he talks about the patriarchs, Adam, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all great examples of godly men and women who trusted the word of God. And then after a rehearsal of salvation history in verse 32, we get to the book of Judges. Now, this is odd to me. The book of Judges is arguably one of the darkest times in Israel's history. All of the chapters and the narrative in that book are marked by the very last verses or the very, some of the last words in that book, which are, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Words that mirror and echo exactly the time that we live in today. And so here we find Gideon. I wonder if you recall there in Judges when God calls Gideon to lead an army against a massive army. Gideon, in his doubt, finds a place where he trusts God, and then God says, cut men from your army. So he whittles it down methodically from 32,000 all the way to 300. Gideon is not a shining example of those who would arrive by faith quickly. Instead, he is a part of a gradual process wherein he's learned the lesson that victory alone belongs to God. It is an example of us to trust in the power of the God who calls us by faith. And what about Barak? Barak here and Deborah by omission. Barak was a foot soldier. He was a nobody. He was a snotty-nosed kid growing up in the armies of Israel. He was a no one. But there in Judges, we find God takes a nobody, makes him somebody by saving everybody. But it wasn't for Barak's fame that God delivered the people of Israel. It was so that the name of Yahweh would be spread great throughout the people of God. We've seen a faithless man be used by God. We've seen a no one, someone inconsequential, used greatly by God. And then we get to Samson. As a young man growing up in northeast Birmingham, I remember thinking Samson was like this eight foot tall black guy with dreads all the way down his back. <laughs> and I always wanted to be like Samson because I only read the physical descriptions of Samson. But Samson's story is where we really begin to see the beauty of faith. Samson, after all, rips the line apart with his bare hands, he slays Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And yet, he is a man who has greatly failed in so many ways. Given over to strong drink, drink, given over to lasciviousness and and, uh, sexual immorality. And yet the story with Samson is that true faith can be found even amongst great failing. The faith then has to be more of a testament to the grace of God than it is to our own ability to obey. And in a postmodern culture, where everyone's worshiping self, fighting so hard at self-justification, it is faith. The message of the revelation of the Son of God that points to the grace of God as the sustaining power of our souls. It is, after all, the word of Christ that upholds the universe and sustains it. And there at the end of Samson's life, We find him in one last act of faith, trusting the hand of God to deliver both he and those enslaved from the hands of their captors. But there may not be a more sad picture of the state of Israel and even the world today than Jephthah. Judges chapter 11. There, I love the way that it opens up. We find Jephthah and I quote, was a mighty warrior, but the son of a prostitute. Almost as if the biblical writer wanted us not only to know that he was the son of a prostitute, but that it somehow discounted the fact that he was a mighty warrior. As if his own seedy family of origin disqualified him from being used by God, and God used him to march against the Ammonites. But then Jephthah makes a vow to God. God, if you deliver us from the hands of our enemies, then the first person who walks out of my home, once I return in peace, I will offer them as a sacrifice to you. A vow. How many times have we made similar vows to the Lord? Lord, if you get me out of this situation, I promise. Lord, if you answer this prayer, if you just give me this one thing, I promise I'll give you this. God does deliver Israel from the hands of the Ammonites. Jephthah arrives home in a victor's parade, rolls up on his home, and the first person to come greet him is his daughter. And being a man who's given his word to God, he bows, he weeps, and then he murders his daughter. How is it that in the hall of faith of Hebrews chapter 11, we find those such as Gideon, a faithless man who by process would come to faith, Barak, a nobody, Samson, a failed judge in so many ways, and Jephthah. How do we find these people here in the hall of faith being made great notice of as if examples of faith? Jephthah's story is a story that God uses all of us but more specifically the grace of God is able to wash away all of our sin. Richard Sibbs, the great Puritan writer in the Bruce Reed said, there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in us. That even a disqualified son of a prostitute, a seemingly faithless man, a failed judge, And a nobody can be vaunted in the hall of faith for all of us to learn from throughout all times. And this is a witness not to the actions or inactions of these men and women. It is a testament to the grace of Christ. That faith is not the product of our ability to obey, but rather it's the product of the the, uh, obedience of the Son. That should drive us to great encouragement that these men and women seat and stand in a coliseum around us, encouraging us on to faith. So, we may not be those reading Ernest Shackleton's great letter, his ad, we may not be those like Perpetua in danger of bodily harm. But when I read, men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful. The same trepidation one might be reading as they're reading that ad is the opposite that we possess as Christians. It is the full faith and assurance that the God who has called us to faith by the person and work of Christ is the same good father who lavishes grace upon us even in our best moments and sustains our faith until we see him once again face to face. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this word. Father, I ask that you would forgive me for the incessant idol of self-reliance, trusting in my own ability to obey rather than your finished work. Help us to be encouraged by the grace you offer us and help us to be spurred on to faithfulness and zeal in the midst of a culture who, where they, the thing they desperately need is you. Encourage and equip us to do so this morning. We love you. It's in your great name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.